everyone, and welcome to the Talkish Podcast. My name is Heidi. Join us as we embark on a journey of self-discovery to liberate and heal the mind, body, and spirit. And we do all this by (laughs) talking-ish. So, Justin's not here today. However, this is a moment that I've been waiting for for a very, very long time. In his place, I have two beautiful all inspiring women who have inspired my life who have who if it wasn't for them I wouldn't even be here today we have my beautiful mother Gwendolyn Louise Talkish and my godmother who I am named after who my middle name is named after my middle name is Antoinette but we call her godma Tony Embry <laughs> everybody welcome them to the show thank you thank you guys for being here with us today so I wanted to start off this conversation by, first off, talking about how you two met, where you guys met, and one by one, I want you to talk about your journey that led up to where you met. So, Mom, you could start first. Well, Tony was my younger sister's friend, Mm -hmm. my younger sister, Monica because they were born the same year. I was a few years older than her. I always heard about Tony, but I was, um, you know, in my own teenage years. I wasn't really in my college years. So she wasn't really in my circle until I got, until I, um, our churches were affiliated. Um, uh, Her pastor was at one point the district elder to our church in Pittsburgh. So our churches were affiliated, but I didn't personally know her. I just knew some of the older people who had gone to her church. Then once I, I quit college, another story, and joined the church, and then I, I married um, your dad. And your dad and her husband were the only ex-husbands, but at the time, <laughs> there were the only two white people in the church and so we kind of bonded through that and we were we were we were having since they were best friends in the church she and I became best friends in that church and started having babies year after year okay yeah Yeah. and what about you yeah that's pretty much it you know um I heard uh, Monica uh, was definitely my good friend she was actually in my wedding, <laughs> and um, the night before my wedding, she literally stayed at my house because she was my uh, either my bridesmaid or my uh, maid of honor. I can't remember. The bridesmaid. Bridesmaid. Yeah. yeah. But she, you know, her and I was. She was such a sweet person, and still is. She hasn't changed. Yeah. Um. But I believe she went back to Pittsburgh. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. At that time. Yeah, she went back to Pitts, Pittsburgh, and Gwen had um, finally moved to Erie, yeah. and uh, we just clicked. Yeah. I mean, when our uh, our our ex husbands got together and became friends, um, and they had interest in us. First, it was Gwen. Then it was me. Um, we just clicked and have been friends mm-hmm. ever since. I think we've been friends over what, 47 years? About 47 years. 47 mm-hmm. years. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's my big sister. <laughs> the sister that I've never, my older sister that I never had. That's because you're the oldest girl, right? Yeah. I'm the oldest in my family. Okay. And everybody, you know, being the oldest, look, look up to me and I, well, who am I going to look up to? Yeah, yeah. She was the one. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And I literally followed almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> Even down to the number of children that we had. Yes, yeah. yes. And we're actually going to get into that. Yeah. So the church that you all met in, mm-hmm. um, most would consider it, I would consider it, a cult. Yes. It was a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you two to both describe how somebody who would be considered in their right mind, because I feel like that's a lot of the questions. Who would allow themselves to get into a cult? And I don't think people really understand 
what that journey is like, that preparation is like, that gets in there. So can you explain to us how you came about, what led you to this cult-like church? And then after we discuss that, I want to discuss your experience in that church, and especially with your marriages, because both of your marriages were pretty much arranged. Yes. You really didn't have too much of a say-so. So, so um, I'll start with you this time okay. um, on how you came to this church. Well, actually, I was born into it. Mm. My parents um, were, uh, I would say my mother, I think she joined when she was about 17, 18. And she came, she was literally swept up into it. And when I was born, um, it was she religiously took me, her and my dad, took me to church. So much so that by the time I was five, I was in love, 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 love church. And if I have a little time, I'd like to tell a little story on how I love church. Um, <laughs> my dad, he was in and out a little bit. You know, he was uh, supposedly saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> But he, you know, wasn't involved in church as like my mom. So one particular night, she was trying to get my dad to come to church. And um, she figured she can leave me at home to uh, try to convince my dad to come to church. So apparently he was watching a Steelers game. And every once in a while, I was like, Daddy, can you, let's go to church. And I'm five years old. And so... We finally went to church because, I mean, to me, it was one of the most beautiful things. You had hand clapping, feet stomping, and everybody was just excited. <laughs> I was so excited because I loved the music. So finally, when my dad agreed to take me to church, um, we opened the doors. I'll never forget it was big brown doors. We stepped open the doors, and they were doing the benediction. I was so angry with my dad uh -huh. but that's the pastor was so captivating mm. to the point where a five-year-old little girl was enamored with him wow and mm -hmm. from that point he was like a god mm -hmm. to me every word i hung on to his words were so like um persuasive yeah that i didn't i didn't believe anything and I would do anything he told me to do. Yeah. Mm. So if it to the point where if he told me to jump off the cliff. Wow. In my case, he encouraged me to get married very early. So mm. we could talk about that later. But that's how I, you know. So basically, I was groomed. Yes, absolutely. And um, it's a straight grooming process. Yes. yes. I mean, tip, yeah, typical grooming. Right. And, um, yes, we will absolutely get back to that. I just wanted to quickly talk about you, Mom, and your um, your journey on how you um, well, became part of this church. Well, you know, uh, my, my parents were, they migrated from the south mm -hmm. to Pennsylvania. My dad was in the military. And um, they um, he was stationed um, outside of Pittsburgh and went in the military based outside of in Pittsburgh, but when he did was discharged from the, the service, um, they had a choice of which places they were going to move to. My mom, being a romantic woman, she was did not want to live down south close to my dad's family or her family. She wanted to get away from the violence of the south, so they chose a little place outside of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. A little end up being a little rural ghetto. Lincoln outside. Beach. Yeah, Lincoln Beach. <laughs> There's no beach. A beach for no, it is no not beach. a beach. <laughs> it not is a beach. not a beach. It's you got a little a creek, creek in the back. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but anyway, but Dad, they were both raised up in a Baptist church. Um, they both had seen a lot of what they call hypocrisy, mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, the deacons of the church would be, you know, uh, singing and praying, praising and praying and crying to God on Sunday morning. But on Saturday night, they would have been in the, as my dad called it, the beer garden all night, womanizing. Mm. And daddy didn't, daddy wanted to be authentic. You know, he did not want that if he was going to follow God, he wanted to follow something he felt was authentic. Mm. 
And so there was a church in Lincoln Beach called Bethlehem Temple Faith Church. Now this is outside of Pittsburgh. And at that time, the pastor, the Tony, her pastor was our district elder. But anyway, that church was like a holiest for hell okay. church. Yeah. There was no playing around. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no, you know, you, you were either going to live for God or you weren't going to live for God. There was no in-betweens. And so that's why Daddy chose that church, you okay. know. And my mom initially didn't, was not into it as much, but she wanted, I guess she and Dad were having marital issues. So my dad was the first one that went to the church. And he, you know, in that type of church, you know, you say you're going to live for God, and you're immediately baptized, and then you immediately speak in tongues or whatever. The Holy, once you get the Holy Ghost, then now you're a part of that church. Yeah. yeah. Then mommy joined the church, uh, you know, to 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 be close to my dad, and so they were both going there together. We were, I was about five years old when I first went to, to church, and so it was a faith church and um and so the faith part of it was something I needed a healing mm -hmm. because I had a um, at that time I had an infection in my one of the bones of my skull and it was uh it was it was an emergency surgery that I needed to the mastoid bone of my skull needed to be mm -hmm. drained and drilled and drained and um, I remember asking for the pastor. Her name was um, Sister Bennett, because they, you know, they told my dad if I didn't have the surgery, I would have, I would get meningitis and I would die. And I didn't want the surgery, so I told my dad, well, it was Sister Bennett, who lived 20 miles away from us, and she didn't have a vehicle, and she, and and it was emergency surgery. If she could come and pray for me, I'd be healed. And mom and dad were like, doctor said you need a surgery. But I was like saying, no. And I was, I remember the word faith. And that's what I was taught, faith church. Mm -hmm. And and so I remember they shaved my head. I was in the pediatric unit. And um, I was awaiting surgery. And the doctor came in the, throughout the night. They had done an x-ray. And he was extremely angry. And because he couldn't find the infection, mm. and he took the light, he was shoving it in my ear, and through the night, God had healed me of this mastoiditis wow. without a scar, without surgery. So through that, I had an experience, a real experience with God, and um, even though it was a cult, this the preaching was to me it was real. You know, and it, and I always related to that to that healing, mm -hmm. and um, and and you know, you hear other testimonies of other people getting delivered, getting set free, getting healed. So that's what that was my ex first experience with that church and my local pastors. Later on, there was a division between my pastor and her pastor. Mm -hmm. So they said my pastor was no longer was it was um excommunicated and so we looked to her pastor um, in Erie for guidance and so um, that was like kind of down through the years so um, you know and that's a, that's kind of coming up but that's how we were introduced to that type of yeah lifestyle to the church to the yeah. church yeah so it was it was the same kind of process like a like a grooming type of like yeah. you you were you were pr pretty much born into it too it was just a different church yeah so it was very natural transition for you to go into that church but i just want to put point out that like you said it you it was not like any type of church it was different it was it's a different cut than the regular oh, church yeah. because of the power that we saw exhibited mm -hmm. there that um, at that time, I know. think that w um, you both mentioned it well. It was a faith church, so it was you know uh, really, really heavily reliant. And I know talking to you both um, yesterday um, and even today, and I'm hearing about your testimony. Um, it had a lot to do with faith. Um, and then eventually, I, I really want to get to actually while we're on faith, 
um, I want to talk. I want you to also tell about your sister's miraculous healing, and we'll link the two and on faith. Yeah. yeah, and your yeah. So you want to talk about that really quick? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, let's start with my mom. Yes, because that's the first time when I experience uh, God's healing. Mm -hmm. um, I my mom the, uh, one morning. Well, leading up to it, I noticed she had not been feeling well and um, sleeping a lot. And um, I was 10 years old, and she asked me to help her with my siblings. There were seven of us, so I did. Um, so that morning before I went to school, she said, Tony, I need you to help me get the kids ready for school. So I did that. Um, and uh, after I came home from school, she was always home to greet us. Mm -hmm. This particular day, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lady, her name was Sister Ida. Yeah. She was at the, at the stove cooking, and, um, but she had this somber look on her face. I immediately knew, immediately knew that there was something wrong. Uh, so I said, where's mom? Where's, where's mama? And she told me that she was in the hospital. I later found out um, that she, she through my grandmother, her mom, her mom, everybody started coming in from out of town, everywhere. But nobody would tell me what happened until uh, a few days later, um, my grandmother sat me down. And um, this was, I knew something was really wrong because I could hear her walking the floor mm. and, and crying. Uh, so she finally sat me down and told me what happened. Um, turns out she had um, a kidney failure mm. so bad. I don't know the medical term, but mm. her blood and urine had mixed together. That's the way it was explained mm. to me. Yeah. And um, they uh, also told me that the doctor only gave her one night to live. Wow. Had she lived, though, through the night, that she would be nothing but a vegetable. Mm. That night, it was a Wednesday night, and usually we had Wednesday Bible study. The whole church stood in unison and cried out to God. Wow. She lived eight years after that. Wow. So she wasn't fully healed but she lived long enough until I was 18 to yeah. raise us as far as she could. Yeah. She ended up passing away at 39. Mm -hmm. But before that happened, my sister, Stacy, um, she had epilepsy, and we weren't aware of that. So this one particular time, she was standing at the top of the stairs when she had an episode. Um, when, so consequently, she fell down the stairs, and then later we found that she could. She was paralyzed from the waist down; she couldn't walk. And um, to make long story short, um, she had such strong faith. If Bishop could just lay his hands on her, that she would be healed. I remember her saying that. Wow! So that particular Sunday. Um, she was in a wheelchair. Her best friend, who was her name was Stacy, wheeled her up. Um, he beckoned for her to come, and she went up the long aisle, and he got the oil and you know put the oil on her forehead, and he started praying, and he's in the name of Jesus, mm. rise and walk. So. He took her hands, arms, and he lift up, helped lift her up. And I could see her legs were like this. Wow. I could see it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she can't walk. Wow. We're, you know, I, I didn't really believe it, mm -hmm. you know. And when I saw her legs just like jello, I couldn't believe it. My heart just fell. And uh, my mom was bawling. And uh, so... All of a sudden, she started dancing. She started a little bit, started, and next thing you know, she was dancing all 
It just makes me cry now. But she was dancing all over the church and lit the church up on fire. And my mom was just bawling. So that was my second experience with the faith, with God's healing. Um, So those two were my experiences. So thank you for sharing, both of you. Um, I wanted to really, really drill this in to the viewers that, you know, these are supernatural events that happen to both of yeah. you all. Um, but what one thing happens in these churches with these charismatic leaders is we attribute those miracles to the person that yep. is, you know, we're not looking at that person as an actual vessel of the spirit to work through. Right. We end up making that person the deity, the God, whether we call them God or not, we look to them and their, their word as being law. So can we talk about um, the, the, the charismatic leader? We're not, not going to mention his name, but can we talk about the charismatic leader um, and also talk about how you both came to meeting your husbands in the church and how your, you know, how your marriages were arranged and what the pastor's advice was to both of you all. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's actually, uh, it, you know, like I said before, I was groomed mm-hmm. as a young child to, through my mom also, to believe that he was the authentic um, person who was credible, who was uh, a person that, y- you know, y- you can trust totally, unconditionally, mm-hmm. that he would not lead you down the road, the wrong road. And actually, his word was law. You did not cross. And he it wasn't like he used a stick, but mentally he did. Wow. Okay. So um, my father, my mom, at this time, we were, uh, my mom had, was estranged from uh, my dad. And... Um, so uh, consequently, my pastor was my father and my religious father, who I looked up to, which made him more even influential in my life. Uh, so at the time when I was 14, I noticed this man, he was looking at me and literally staring at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, is he staring at me you know and I I knew it and I felt in my heart that there wasn't there was something wrong about it but I didn't mention it to anybody looking back I probably should have so one day um, on a Sunday morning um, uh, he approached me and he sat me down he said can I talk to you and I said yeah and he said to me you seem to be very mature for your age mm. and that um and you I like the way you are spiritual and how much you go to church and how much you love God and I can't remember verbatim what he said but it was something to the simple and he asked me he said I want you to be my wife wow will you be my wife and I said what and my first impulse was to say no wow but I thought about it. I was like, wait, wait, this may be a blessing from God. And I went home and told my mom about it. And she looked at me. She's like, really? I said, yeah. What should I do? And she laughed, tickled, and turned around, walked and she away from me. And I said, Mom, what, what do I do? And she said, it's up to you. Mm. And... Um, and I said, I don't know what to do, Mom. And she said, it's up to you. Later did I find out the reason why she said that is because of the scripture that said, do not forbid marriage. Oh, wow. And because I was beyond the flower age, Can that I it was... A misinterpretation of yes, that scripture. Yes, yes. And I think everyone knows what that means. Yeah. Um, that I was ready to be married. Wow. Um, prior to that, I found out later that my ex-husband and her ex-husband, your dad, 
yeah. were best friends and they lived together and they happen to be talking about marrying black women. Wow. And um, so the question came up, was like, well, what do you think about black women? And my name came up, well, what do you think about Tony? And her ex-husband was like, yeah, why not? So that's why he approached me. Wow. Um, how old were you and how old was he at the time? Oh, good question. I was 15 and he was 28. Wow. Yes. So I'm trying to be a good, safe person, wanting to make sure that I was doing God's will. Obedient. Obedient. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, asked for a meeting with my our pastor. And um, so he talked to me and I said, uh, Brother So-and-so asked me to marry him and I wanted to know your thoughts on that. And he said to me, well, Sister Tony, that's up to you. And then he says, uh, you know, he I can't remember what he said, but he basically said, that's up to you. I'm 15 years old. What, what <laughs> am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. So at, um, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to pray about it. I, I fasted almost every day. I would go on a three-day fast in wow. increments for 30 days. And I was I got so thin. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I fasted. And I still didn't really have an answer. Mm -hmm. So apparently my ex-husband must have uh, made a call to a bishop, and uh, bishop calls my house. Wow. And it was like, the God of heaven mm -hmm. calling my house yeah. and my mom. He at first he called, talked to my mom, and they put me on three way, and uh, on the other phone, and she said Bishop is on the other line, and he's Sister Tony. Uh, what I understand that you haven't give Brother So and So an answer, and I was like, well, I don't know what to do, and he said, well. Either you say yes or say no. If you say yes, okay. But if you say no, he will be able to go on with his life. So I thought about it, thought about it, and I said yes. Mm. And that was the beginning of the next part of my life. There was a point in time where you had second thoughts. Oh, I And did. what happened with that? I overrode it mm -hmm. because of... My mother, who was like it's, she was also groomed, and because Bishop did not discourage it, and um, and uh, by telling her not to for forbid marriage, she allowed her fifteen-year-old yeah. to entertain the marriage. I think she, I'm sure that it really disturbed her, but she. You know, how do you question? Yeah, yeah how do you question God. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, but you, I remember you were telling me about there was a situation prior to you actually tying the knot that you came to the bishop. Yeah. What was that conversation? Yes, you were engaged. Yeah, I was engaged by then. Okay. And um, we actually, in order to get to know one another, we would see each other almost every week, every uh, couple of days, and we would talk on the phone every day. But this particular time, he was missing in action for an entire week. Um, he wouldn't return my calls. Finally, I went to his house and knocked on his door and he wouldn't answer the door. No one was there. Um, so I called a pastor and um, I asked for an appointment. Um, and I told him what was happening and I said that I said that I wanted to call off the the uh, uh, the the, uh, the engagement. And he said, "Hold on, let me call brother so and so, and um, talk to him." That day or the following day, he calls me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and um, I still want to marry you. Deep down in my heart, I knew I probably shouldn't proceed proceed with him, but because of the my Christian faith and my 
belief in the pastor, I, I moved forward. Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention, though, while I was dating him, he was grooming me as well. Mm. There was one of the things, there was no sex before marriage. I hope it's okay to use that word. Of course. There was sex before marriage. And that was the catalyst. That was the inspiration for both me and I'm sure your dad. Mm -hmm. um, reasoning for getting married. Wow. It's better get married than a burn. That was a, burn, a, yeah. that was a phrase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here I am, this young girl. Fifteen years old. Fifteen coming years into old. Your, yeah. Mm -hmm. There were times I had to fight him off. Wow. Wow. So, can you imagine how that pressure? That, yeah. Mm -hmm. That impacted yeah. me. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically how it all came about. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, Mom, can you explain um, how you came about to meeting Dad and your marriage and your courtship? And I know you had also apprehensions and talked mm -hmm. to this with the bishop, and I wanted to get your take on that whole situation. Well, you know, being raised in a church, I, you know, I'll say I was, I always loved God from an early age. But it wasn't until I was 17 that I um, I made that decision to, you know, um, be compl completely committed to the church. So um, you give up, you know, you just go with it. And that, that, that was in the early 70s. That meant no pants, giving up yes, pants, yes. giving up makeup, yes. no, up earrings. no earrings. <laughs> You know, it's just like no, no open toes. No shoes. Open you have to wear pants. Wow. Yeah. I mean, um, long dresses. Yes. Yep. Pantyhoses. Mm -hmm. No going to movies. I had to drop my boyfriend, my mm -hmm. first love, the guy who I was in love with. If I dropped him, it was right before prom. Well, I couldn't go to the prom. No dances. Oh yeah. Wow. So uh, and and then you know there was still at that time there was still a rift rival or rift between the church. Even though they taught the same, my dad's church and bish, the bishop's church that she went to, there was a split in that organization. We're we're running really pressed on time. I just want to get on to the marriage. So and, yeah. So, so um, so I went to college, and um, two and a half years into college, on my bachelor's degree, and I I went to my sister's to visit my sister for. Christmas break. He, she went to the church that Tony went to, mm -hmm. and I had no intention on staying there. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I went there and I sat him and sat in his office, and uh, he told me why, if I stayed in the church, my dad's church, that I was doomed to go to hell, mm -hmm. and and I needed yeah. to you know make that decision. So I didn't want to go to hell, so I quit college mm, and wow. and moved to um, to the church that she went to, mm -hmm. and um, so while I was there, when I when I moved to that um, church there, it was two and a half hours away from where where we lived. I met your dad. Mm -hmm. uh, your dad was he looked very spiritual. Mm -hmm. He looked very, very <laughs> yes. serious mm -hmm. about God. Mm -hmm. He was always very neat. He was always the first one in church. Mm -hmm. He was there every time the church doors opened. Mm -hmm. Carried the biggest Bible. He carried the biggest <laughs> Bible. He sat on the front pew. Yes. And whenever those worship songs got underway, man, he was the first one to jump up and mm -hmm. clap his hands. And <laughs> yes. And he was very expressive the way he can express the Bible. And mm -hmm. he read the Bible and he just loved, seemed to have loved the Bible. And um, he seemed to be paid attention to me. I wasn't used to men, you know, you know, paying attention to me, especially in the church. All the men were married. Mm. There was no men in the church anyway. There was yeah. they're all married. Slim pickings. Yeah, very <laughs> slim pickings. But he was a single man who paid attention mm -hmm. to me. 
And um, so we got to talking. Like she says, there was no intimacy Mm -mm. before in our courtship. Yeah. No holding hands, yeah. no kissing. Yeah. So you don't really get a chance to know these people. We had to have a chaperone with them. Yeah, we did have to go. We couldn't ride alone in a car with them. We had to have a third person. Mm-hmm. So whenever he asked me to marry him, you know, you know, I said yes. Then after a while, because he seemed so spiritual. Yeah. Then after a while, it was like I seen, I started seeing him. Even without intimacy, I saw that he wasn't, he didn't hold down a job. He had a horrible temper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to marry him. Yeah. Once I started to know him. And I went back to Bishop and I was like, I want to marry him. I have never seen someone with such unsteady um, emotions. And he, gets ma- and he has not found a job. He promised me he'd find a job. And Bishop says, I'm sorry. You promised you could marry him. And you're engaged, and as far as the Bible is concerned, engagement is still the same as marriage, and you can't break that promise. You'll go to hell. He says, and furthermore, you better be glad someone's looking at you about wanting you. Wanting you. Wow. So, and so that kind of played on a very low self-esteem mm-hmm. that I had on myself as a woman. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, oh, that just that's so painful to, to yeah. hear. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. why. I um didn't break the engagement. Yeah, and my parents were really afraid of him. Mm. They were he afraid was very well respected. He, oh, he was yeah. respected, but he was yeah. also feared wow. because he had this influence. So they were afraid to step up and say, uh, "My daughter's going to finish college, and how dare you interfere with this?" They were very afraid because they believed that if I, if um I uh didn't listen to this pastor, I would go to hell. They want to be responsible for me going to hell. Wow. So they didn't speak up. Wow. Kind of goes to show you um, the, the saying, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And when you feel like you have that absolute power, mm. you don't even, you know, people, you know people are looking at you as God, but yeah. you're not even stopping them and saying, no, I'm not God. Right. You know, you're not yeah. stopping them. And that's just really... Um, as a matter of fact, he would brag about it. He would brag about it. He would say, if you come into my office and if I get you alone, you will never be the same. Mm. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it would happen to so many people. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you both to explain when that antenna really started going up. Like something is just not right about this man. What were some of his practices? What were some of the things that kind of sparked the the exodus from that church? Mommy, you want to start this time? Yeah. Well, I I, I was I remember being pregnant with my third child. Mm-hmm. And now you have to understand you still have outside influences. There's people for, who love me. My my mom and my dad. I had people who loved me. Um, I had people from my ex-husband's family who were Christians, and it's like, this is just not right. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there was um, the Guyana and Jim Jones episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those hundreds of people drinking that cyanide-laced Kool-Aid mm-hmm. and dying in yeah. that hot, I mean, that episode. That was kind of crowding in on this pastor's influence but he still had hold of me yeah so there were so many other christians people who i wanted to have fellowship with people who loved god that i wasn't allowed to fellowship with yeah because they didn't go to our church Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um i started getting these little nudges from the creator god inside of me Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to leave here Mm -hmm. and then then there was a lot of hatefulness that was being preached over the pulpit yeah and if you weren't there oh yes if you didn't come to church mm-hmm. you would be afraid not to come to church because you might be preached on yeah. you might yeah. be the humiliated humiliated as yeah. a form of control right, right. Oh, and yeah. so so and and in deep down within my spirit and i did have god inside of me like saying you're gonna have to leave mm-hmm. i remember the first time god confronted me me with you really need to leave and go I told God no. Mm. I says, 
I can't leave this church because everybody who respects me goes here. Yeah. And everybody who I respect goes here. Yeah. So my first was no. Wow. And and so, you know, God's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And he just he's not gonna force you. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. You yeah. make your own just choices. Yeah. yeah. And so I had a couple more kids. Mm. And wow. <laughs> yeah. So you knew before that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And then I had a couple more kids. In the meantime, um my husband wasn't working and he he wouldn't support us. We got kicked out of our apartment. But before we got kicked out of our apartment, we got kicked out of the church. You know, because um, my husband was also getting the the unction. He had to leave the church. Yeah. And so he stood up and he wanted to do it in a respectful way. And he stood up in the church to announce that he was going to resign from the church. And um, that he wanted the people to know that he wasn't just leaving that he, you know, he loved the church, he loved God. He paid his tithes. And he paid his Mm -hmm. tithes. Yeah. But the bishop would not let him get that out. Wow. Mm -hmm. As soon as my husband told, stood up and said, I'm going to leave the church, he says, okay, Brother Todd, okay, let's just be quiet and just go. (laughs) And Brother Todd said, no, I just got to finish what I got to say before I leave. He said, no, be quiet. And but let me just finish, Bishop. And he says, in the name of Jesus, Satan rebuke you. You can't finish what you got to say. And then after that, deacons take him out of here. And so they took him by his arm and escorted him out of the church because the bishop would not let him finish. He really didn't have anything incriminating to say. We're going to get to that for a second. But, but what did he do? He turned his he, attention to you he, after dad left. First, and then after they took took him out, the deacons took my dad out. He cursed Your him. husband. And my husband. Uh-huh. Right. But he says, I commit your flesh to the devil. Wow. wow. For the destruction of your flesh. Wow. That Those were powerful words. Yeah. I mean, that's I commit you to the devil. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For the destruction of your flesh. And then he tried to turn that and, on you as well. And then he, he, and then I was sitting there at that time. I had just given birth to my fourth child. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there crying, you know, because it was just my family was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was shocked <laughs> because he turned it on me. Wow. And he says, and he turned on me, and it's just like, and you, you're his wife, and I commit you to the Satan for the destruction of your flesh wow. and all of your children. Wow. And you will not, nothing will ever become of you. Wow. Nothing is going to ever become of you. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, that broke me from him. Because yeah, I realized the yeah. only thing I had done was serve that church, yeah. play piano, walk to church from my house. And I, he encouraged you to marry him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, right? and I had never, I had right? nothing. And I knew, about that I knew that that was the devil. Yeah. That that was an evil influence that mm-hmm. was cursing me and my children. And it was like the thing that had told me to leave the couple years before yeah. was like, yeah, this is what was manifest. Yeah. And so. I cried, but it wasn't because I was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, no, you that this this curse will have no influence over me and my babies. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that we we discussed, and this is heavy stuff that I'm about to get into, and then we're gonna ask for your in, uh, input as well as your story, but um, the bishop had some worries. He thought that Dad mm-hmm. was gonna say something. What were some of the concerns? What What do you think he was scared of? We had talked about this. Yeah. Well, you know, soon after um, we were quote unquote disfellowshipped, um, mm-hmm. there were some. Um, prior to that, the, the bishop and the brothers had a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. They had a brotherhood meeting every Tuesday night. I think it was Tuesday night, and and, and they would go and. I mean, it was, seemed like such a powerful gathering between this bishop yeah. and the brothers. Mm-hmm. But, and and that was one thing that kept your dad coming, mm. was 
the fellowship. Mm-hmm. The fellowship. Mm-hmm. But then your dad would tell me, and this is from the time we were married, he was like, he's so powerful. And he's like a father figure. He says, because such powerful things for the word. And I really believe in him. But he says, but whenever he gets me alone, mm. he speaks such pornographic, oh dirty, vile things in private with me. And he's trying always to look at my private parts. And he wants me. To, he wants to see my private parts. He wants to know if and I lay can, hands. And lay, well, he's and he did. He did lay hands on his backside because uh, your dad had like a yeah. uh, something from, from Vietnam, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. and and it was just some kind of a jungle fungal thing that was that was on his backside, and the bishops asked him to to mm-hmm. pray for him and anoint that part of his body. Yeah. And pray for him. So he had to, you know, pull down his pants and and have the bishop pray for him. You know, so after we left, some of the elders called us and talked to us and said that they believed that uh, that he they were afraid that my husband was going to expose him because after a while, brothers started talking one after the other, and um, and. It's saying some of the same, having that same testimony. Yeah, yeah. That that well, the bishop got me alone, and they he wanted to see this. He wanted to see my private. He he wanted to see how I could please my please my wife. One brother after the other after the other. So this big powerful brotherhood meeting ended up being so many personal things. Guys don't usually talk about stuff mm-hmm. like this that mm-hmm. happens one on one with another brother. Yeah, because it was very embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no, yeah. So, um, Tony. I would like for you to speak on when you started to really wake up Mm -hmm. and realize that this charismatic leader probably wasn't the voice of God that you thought that he was. Well, there were two instances. Okay. Um, The first one I I didn't know because I was so young. Yes. So I'll talk about the second instance first and then the sec first one I'll talk about because it ties in okay what she just said yeah um at the time my uh husband then um started getting a revelation along with other brothers in the church they call them the young ministers um and the message was so free and it, the message was that God loves you he's a loving and forgiving God Mm. and he's not going to just put you in hell for chewing a piece of gum while you're fasting (laughs) yeah it was just that bad you know what I mean um so it it was so I mean exciting that we had um young people's night um and young people's night before they came on board was you know kind of handful of people would show up but whenever they would preach, they literally took over youth night. Mm-hmm. And the, the church was full with young people. Mm-hmm. So much so, the older saints started coming as well. Wow. And at that time, the bishop just started getting intimidated wow. and felt threatened. But me, it, it was, it, it shook the very foundation wow. that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whoa, what's really happening here? Mm. So believe it or not, my then husband saw me really depressed. I was just walking around the house so sad and so depressed because the the idea of trying to do to be saved and not make God so angry because I did something wrong was so overbearing and so heavy. Wow. You know, and I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never drank. I never smoked. I, I mean, I, I never cheated. I, you know, I was the perfect saint. Yeah. Right. But yet I felt that, that heaviness. Yes. Yeah. So he convinced me to start listening to other people, other pastors who had the same message. And that's what caused me to leave. Wow. Because. Listening to other messages, love messages that God, there's freedom in God. Um, Help me if it, it made me feel good and it lifted the 
heaviness from my shoulders. Yeah. So at that time, because of the lies, uh, you know, like I said, the bishop was intimidated by the young ministers, and my my husband at the time was uh, one of those ministers, mm-hmm. and he started lying on them and everything. So wow. they all left, and I went with him. Mm-hmm. I gained the courage enough to go with him. Yeah. yeah. At that point, I was twenty one. Yeah. But, um, and it also made me think about what happened. The, the first instance yes that uh, when I knew something might be wrong I had just gotten married I was 16 years old and I went into the his office for some reason he summoned me to talk to me mm. and I I'm like whoa Bishop really wants to talk to me so he said sister Tony um so how are you mm-hmm. I said I'm doing okay he said well how's marriage uh how are you um, handling everything? And how, in other words, was intimacy? Yeah. And I said, um, being a virgin, it was painful. Yeah. And I said, and it's still painful from time to time. He said, oh, really? Wow. And then he said, just try it. Wow. And I stopped and I'm like, whoa, what kind of question is that? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, mm-hmm. but because he has such of an influence on me, yeah, I um, hesitated and I motioned house size. Mm-hmm. And what I did that you should have saw the expression on his face. Wow. That he was literally baffled. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Wow. You know, so fast forward, the stories came out. You were piecing stuff together. Yes. It was, was like, oh, that together. doesn't make sense. So, yeah, yeah. It, made, it just was one piece that just right. fit right in. It finally, yes. once the puzzle was together, that's when the exodus. Absolutely. And both of you all had, well, thank God you guys got out. Because right. who would have known what our lives would have been like if we had, if y'all had stayed in? I know both, both of your youngest, I'm your youngest mommy, Jason's your youngest, you both were out by the time you had your youngest? Yes. Yeah, well, I know. No, Je- my Jessica was. Oh, Jessica, okay. She was the fourth one, yep. Oh, wow, okay. So she was just a baby, though. So Holly was my fourth one before I got out. Okay, yeah, so. We follow each other. Yeah, I mean, so both of you all have, I mean, it's just like, how? where do you get this? Both of you all became best friends, right? Yes. Became friends with the, from the church, married to two only white guys in the church, had five children and we were all born pretty much together you guys were pretty much pregnant at the same time yes so you have five my mom has five and I know that the church and we're going to briefly talk about this because I know we're running out of time but as far as no birth control mom you had said something about if you weren't pregnant for if you were not pregnant for more than six months they were looking at you crazy weren't they you went six months between the time you gave birth and and you're not pregnant again. Wow. Yeah, you were like, you know, and it was not, you weren't allowed to use birth control. And so that was a sin, you know. Wow. Of course, we didn't want to sin and go to hell. Mm-hmm. And you weren't even considered having a big family until you had at least seven kids. Yeah. Yeah. And our, my aunt, your sister was in it. She had nine. Nine. And there was plenty of other women oh, who had. 20 big pregnancies this one woman had. Oh, wow. Yeah. 20, wow. 20, 20 births. Births. Not she the, had not, one. The, not, yeah. not the miscarriages. Yes. Wow. Yeah, 14, 10, 12. Mm. I only had five. Wow. I, my but if you all would have stayed in the church, you probably would have kept having them, right? Yeah. Yeah, me wow. being the younger, yeah, yeah I probably yeah. would have had five more at least. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. So I know, well, both of you, of you all, after you left the church, obviously there was divorces with both of your husbands um, and our fathers. And um, I just want you to briefly, before we end this, because I feel like there's so, so much more to cover. There should there's be just, a part two. Yeah, we have to do a part two. <laughs> yeah. But I want you to express how it was leaving the church, leaving that structure, and then eventually becoming single mothers, black women, single mothers of five biracial babies, doing it alone, 
I just want to really quick just get your take on that. Get, you know, your take on the journey. And I know we have to do a part two, but I want to at least kind of give the viewers a, a, an understanding of, first of all, where we're going to pick up next time, but also, like, what that was like. Well, for me, I, d I didn't know which one that you want. No, it's fine, whichever okay. one. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I learned later on, much later, the reason uh, my, my uh, then husband was, um, had disappeared for that week, he went on a drinking binge. Mm. Had I known that, I wouldn't have married him. So I didn't know that. A year in the marriage, he had, you know, another episode of it. A um, few years later, it started to get worse when we left the church. And the only thing that kept him from drinking was the fear of going to hell. Wow. Once we were, we got this new revelation about God is love and everything, he felt more comfortable and relaxed and he uh, allowed him to have more liberties. And one of those things was alcohol. The unfortunate thing is that the church didn't teach us about healing, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, alcoholism is a disease. Yes. It is not a character flaw. I want to say that. Yeah. He went through a lot of things, a lot of emotional, traumatic things. Um, and... Um, which caused him not to be the husband and the father that he could have been. Mm -hmm. But it was so bad that um, I struggled with it because that was before I decided to leave. And, you know, I knew that the marriage was doomed, but because of my fear of, of, of we didn't believe in divorce, that was off the table. Yeah. So here I am a little 17 year old 18 year old if i divorce this guy what are my chances of getting married again yeah my life is doomed so i stuck it out and it nearly killed me wow it really did because um as as time persists he started to get worse and more worse mm -hmm. and worse to the point where um one of my sisters came to visit me. I was standing at the stove cooking. And she said, she looked at me, she said, what's wrong? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you have dark circles. I mean, deep, dark circles around your eyes. And I was just cooking. And I was so deep in depression yeah. that I was, I was falling to pieces. Wow. And uh, it was, you know, so after I left the church and started visiting other churches that talk about deliverance and freedom and so forth, mm -hmm. gave me the strength to say I deserve better yeah. than this. After I could not get him to admit that, first of all, he had a problem, yeah. and secondly, to you know go into treatment. And as a matter of fact, I didn't want the influence of that on my children. Yeah. So um, I had found the strength somewhere to leave. Yeah. yeah. Packed up all of my five, moved out, and left all the furniture, everything, and um, slept on the floor for three weeks on my sister's floor. Wow. Yeah, we didn't have any place to go. So in essence, we were homeless. Wow. It had gotten so bad, and the reason why I left it was starting to get abusive. Mm. And, um, yeah, you know, like I said, it was the alcohol that was causing him to do yeah. that. Otherwise, he was a pretty decent man, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. that's what happened. It's, it's, yeah, that's, like you said, alcoholism is, un I mean, it's a disease. I mean, yeah. all of this addiction, and, it, and unfortunately, it just stems from, like, the trauma, and we just think that yeah. it, it's just like a a foothold that right. comes in through our trauma and we right. medicate through it with it and yes yeah and and it tears families apart unfortunately it does so mom um can we get 
because we're going to be closing right after you. So yeah. So once um, we 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 were shortly after we were kicked out of the church, um, that church, and we went to um, the church oh, yeah. that they start, started. They started Ernie, a church. Yeah. Ernie and they they started a church. Mm -hmm. Ernie, her husband, and that, that young minister group. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're like I had mentioned before, your dad never really caught on to working and supporting us. And so we were evicted from our apartment and I had just had my fourth child. And so there was no place for us to go, but for, for me, my husband and my, my kids to move with my dad. And so, um, and it was, you know, dad's house really wasn't built for all. I mean, it was, it was tough. My dad had, a, he was building a, building his church across the street yeah. from his house. And so, you know, I remember one day he looked at me, he said, God bless the child that has its own. <laughs> <laughs> so that means you get out of my house. It's time for you and your husband and your children to leave. Mm -hmm. And at that time I had gotten pregnant with you. So we got blessed with a very, very lovely project home. Yeah. And as a, as a matter of <laughs> fact, it was the newest it was in, in it was older projects, but it was new because it was renovated from a fire. Mm -hmm. Five bedrooms and two baths, yeah. and that was us ours. So I have you, and then um, I was the only one of us born in Pittsburgh. Yeah, right? mm -hmm. everybody else was born in Erie. Mm -hmm. But I had you, and I still had the dream of becoming a nurse. Yeah, and I at the time I lived in the projects. He, since he wasn't working, I was on public assistance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got tired of the looks, going to the bank, mm -hmm. using those those food stamp dollars. I got tired of the looks of a condescending looks from the people. I could see it, still see them now looking at me mm -hmm. in that condescending fashion, going to the, to the bank, getting my check. Mm -hmm. I could still see the condescending looks yeah. using them. Them colored food stamp dollars. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they were lifelines. Oh, no, they were. <laughs> I remember them. Yeah. I did not want that to be the life of my children. Yeah. In the projects, even though we had a nice yeah. house, mm -hmm. I didn't want. And I had that little inkling mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, yeah. you know, about nursing school. So yeah. there was an advertisement for a displaced homemakers course. Yeah. And I took that displaced homemakers course. And I found a way to get back in nursing school. Yeah. Awesome. And to get get to, to you know, and that's how we but but as far as your dad and he kinda went along for the ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh and even though he was the other white brother in the church and he married one of the black women, he never got over the fact that he was married to a black a black woman. Mm. He yeah. never got over the fact that he had five bad five biracial children yeah because whenever we went out to um any public places he would walk ahead he would walk ahead yeah. he would turn white as a sheet whenever the people in the restaurant would turn around and focus their attention on this black woman very very dark-skinned black woman mm -hmm. and i didn't know that he couldn't get over it because he said he wasn't he didn't have racism he said that when we got married but it was a different thing walking that life it was a very with a black thing. woman <laughs> and five little biracial kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so we would go to. In uh, the 80s. In yeah, the 80s. In the, 80s. in the early 80s. 70s, 70s and 80s. And 80s. Yeah. 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 We would. I would give birth to my children. Mm -hmm. uh, he would make sure that there was a brother-in-law or a, a person, a dark-skinned black person with mm -hmm. us. Yeah. And he would laugh and talk with them. As if I would have had that baby by then. Yeah. And he was the ride. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he didn't, they didn't realize that he was the husband and the yeah. father of this child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, walking out of the hospital. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then when we went to Pittsburgh, I didn't have the, we didn't have the church community. Mm -hmm. And whenever I went to, um, I wanted him to escort me home with Heidi. Yeah. And he told me to catch a cab. Mm. But you know what? He dealt with mental illness, too. Yes. He did, too. Absolutely. Yeah. He did. Absolutely. So yeah. after I graduated from nursing mm -hmm. school, yeah. and, you know, we were 
at that time we were closer to my parents and the the, the um accountability was closer to him yeah, yeah. and he, he and it was very hard for him to deal with that accountability yeah and so uh as soon as i graduated from nursing school he said the only way for our marriage to survive is you move back to my hometown and as soon as i moved back to atlanta i was home free mm-hmm. really he mm-hmm. left he left i got the job and he left me in june wow wow, wow. can i just <gasps> say one more yes thing? absolutely we have so much more inspiration, inspirational stories to tell. For example, what happened af- afterwards. Afterwards. Absol- absolutely. And I think it would help so many young mothers. Absolutely. And then we're going to absolutely, we're going to end on that note. And the next episode, it's not going to be as heavy. <laughs> yeah. It might start off heavy, but yes. it will not end heavy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, there is uh, absolutely. And. I'm part of that yes, light. You are. If you know, Very you know. <laughs> so I would young lady. Thank you so much. Yes. And I am just so grateful to have you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're definitely gonna do a part two. Okay. And I just want the viewers to come and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkish where we're gonna pick back up with my mother and my godmother Tony. Thank you all for tuning in. You're listening to Talkish. Mm-hmm.